G'day and welcome to Partake and to our series Easter Weekend 2010. Last time we looked again at the cross and we asked some fundamental questions about it. What is the cross about? Why is the cross important? And also an imperative of historical, biblical Christianity. And today we look at the resurrection and its significance not only for Christianity but for the whole world. And we start not in the Gospels, but from the writings of the Apostle Paul, who gives a summary of the Gospel resurrection record in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 8. Now I declare to you, brothers, the good news which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold firmly the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over five hundred brothers at once, most of whom remain until now, but some have also fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to the child born at the wrong time, he appeared to me also. That was the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church about the crucified Jesus having been raised from the dead, physically, the resurrection. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, tell us that Jesus was crucified, had died, and was buried in an empty tomb. So what do these four Gospels, or four records, say about Jesus' resurrection, or the rising from the dead? Let us first look at the sequence of events over the period of time after Jesus' death, until he ascended. Now remember, The Gospels are historical documents which have recorded historical events. First of all, in Matthew 27 verse 61, Mark 15 verse 47, and Luke 23 verse 54 to 55, the two Marys watched the burial. Then in Matthew 27 verse 62 to 66, the Roman soldiers guard the tomb and place an official Roman seal upon it. Then in Luke 23, verse 56, the women prepare burial spices and then rest. Then in Matthew 28, verses 2 to 4, an angel rolls the stone away from the tomb entrance. Then in Matthew 28, verse 1, Mark 16, verses 1 to 4, Luke 24, verses 1 to 3, and John 20, verse 1, the women arrive at dawn with the spices to prepare Jesus' body. And then, then Matthew 28 verse 5 to 7, Mark 16 verse 5 to 7, Luke 24 verse 4 to 8, angels appear to women. And then in Matthew 28 verse 8, Mark 16 verse 8, Luke 24 verse 9 to 11, and John 20 verse 2, the women, after they're being talked to by the angels, run back to tell disciples. 
Then in Luke 24 verse 12 and John 20 verse 3 to 9, we find that Peter and John run to investigate the empty tomb. Is the body there? And then in Luke 24 verse 12, John 20 verse 10, Peter and John return home. And in John 20 verse 11, Mary Magdalene is weeping by the tomb. And then in 20 verse, John 20 verse 12 to 13, Mary, again, Mary sees two angels. And then there's Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. First of all, he appears to Mary Magdalene. Mark 16 verse 9 and John 20 verses 14 to 17. Then he appears to the other women. Matthew 28 verse 9 to 10. The women report back to the disciples. Mark 16 verse 10 to 11 and John 20 verse 18. Then the guards testify to the priests. Matthew 28 verse 11 to 15. And then on the Emmaus road in Mark 16 verse 12 to 13 and Luke 24 verse 13 to 32. Jesus meets and walks with two people on the Emmaus road. And then in Luke 24 verse 34, Jesus appears to Simon Peter. And then in Luke 24 verse 33 to 35, two people report to disciples in Jerusalem. Then in Luke 24 verse 36 to 43 and John 20 verse 19 to 24, Jesus appears to the disciples, but Thomas is not there. The disciples report to Thomas, but he doubts it. John 20 verse 25 and then in Mark 16 verse 14 and John 20 verse 26 to 29 Jesus appears to the disciples and also to Thomas then in John 21 verse 1 to 14 Jesus appears to seven people in John 21 verse 15 to 23 Jesus questions Peter three times and then Jesus appears to 500 people as recorded in our reading 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6 And in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 15, we see that Jesus appears to James. Wow! So what are the evidences for the resurrection? These facts remain for it. Look at them, read them, hear them, study them. Notice the changed attitude of the disciples after seeing the risen Jesus. They changed from defeated, cowardly people to victorious, brave people. Nobody who could have produced the dead body of Jesus did so. Their silence is as significant as the preaching of the apostles. Or take the multiple appearances of Jesus to various numbers of individuals and groups of people at various times of the day and in differing circumstances. This shows that Jesus' resurrection was physical in nature. Some people say Jesus' resurrection was spiritual in nature, but not physical. But the amount of people that saw him physically afterwards dispels that particular myth. Thomas even touches him. What about the current tangible evidence? The survival and inordinate growth and impact of the early church, and that the church is still growing 2,000 years later. If there was no bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, would people really have risked persecution and torture and death for knowing a lie? One or two people may be, but not hundreds and thousands, if not millions. The very existence of the church today 
2,000 years after the event is perhaps the greatest tangible proof of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. He did not merely faint. He was dead on that cross. And if he weren't dead on that cross, they would have broken his legs to ensure that he had died. Blood and water flowed from him when they stuck the spear in his side. A sign of death. No, Jesus was dead. He did not merely faint. Yet people still doubt. So how do we deal with them? Let us say Jesus did not rise from the dead. Surely the authorities, both the Jewish and the Roman, would have produced his dead body in order to quench this new movement. But they didn't. And the reason they didn't is because there was no body to produce. Would the disciples have really risked death for telling and maintaining a lie about the risen Jesus? They were beaten, confused, defeated and dispersed men until they saw Jesus truly did rise from the dead. After seeing him, they were transformed and victorious people. I've had people say to me that somebody, even the disciples, stole the body. Hardly likely, and if that had occurred, for what reason? How would they have got past the Roman guard and moved the stone a great distance from the tomb? For this very reason, the Jewish authorities tried to perpetuate by way of a bribe. In Matthew 28, verse 11 to 15. Now while the disciples of Jesus were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and told the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave a large amount of silver to the soldiers, saying, Say that his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and make you free of worry. So they took the money and did as they were told. This saying was spread abroad among the Jews and continues until this day. Then we have the the swoon theory or the faint theory. Jesus didn't die but he merely fainted and recovered consciousness in the dank tomb. Even the sceptics disagree with this theory, one of whom said, it is impossible that a being who had stolen half dead out of the sepulchre who crept about weak and ill, wanting medical treatment, who required bandaging, strengthening and indulgence, and who still at at, uh, last yielded to his sufferings, could have given to the disciples the impression that he was a conqueror over death and the grave, the prince of life. Or perhaps they, they all went to the wrong tomb. That's it, they went to the wrong tomb. And whilst one person may have gone to a wrong tomb, Not everybody would have done. Besides, the gospel accounts tell us that people were waiting outside the tomb where Jesus was buried. Surely Joseph would know what tomb Jesus was buried in, seeing as Joseph owned it. And lastly, Jesus didn't die on the cross, but somebody was substituted for him. This is certainly untenable given the rigidity and strict record-keeping of Roman rule and with the eyes of the Jewish hierarchy watching. This is a lie. This conjecture is a lie of Satan because Satan knows the significance of Jesus having risen physically from the dead. 
Satan knows that at the cross, when Jesus died, that Satan himself had lost, lost heavily, and that his destruction was imminent. So that's doubt dealt with. But what? What is the significance of the resurrection to us 2,000 years later? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead provides the central theme for the sermons and teaching in the early church. You only have to look at Acts chapter 1 verse 22, Acts 4 verse 33, Acts 17 verse 18, and certainly within Pauline theology in the New Testament letters. But what significance is there in Jesus' resurrection for us? The resurrection proved and vindicated all of Jesus' teaching and claims as a suffering servant and attested to his being fully God, fully human and the last judge of all mankind. The resurrection declared God's approval of Jesus' obedient service and the fulfilment of all the Old Testament promises resulting in forgiveness of sins and salvation being only found in and through Jesus Christ alone which was the prime motive for evangelism in the early church. Jesus' resurrection is a sign of the bodily resurrection for all believers in him, giving a new attitude to death and transforming hopes. As a resurrected king, Jesus now intercedes for us and has perfected the redemption of all those who choose to follow him. And finally, the resurrection of Jesus' physical body is a sure victory over Satan, sin and death. All three are conquered and squashed. Satan is a defeated creature and will do anything to drag people into defeat with him. The power of sin is conquered and sin's grip is overcome if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Finally, as I said earlier, death has been beaten. It has no sting because those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ will live forever with him. Death is not the end but a beginning. And if Jesus Christ did not physically rise from the dead, then as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 to 19, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, neither has Christ been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith also is in vain. Yes, We have found false witnesses of God because we testified about God that he raised up Christ whom he didn't raise up if it is so that the dead are not raised. For if the dead aren't raised neither has Christ been raised. If Christ has not been raised your faith is in vain and you are still in your sins. Then they also who are fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have only hoped in Christ in this life We are of all people most pitiable. Or let me put it in my own words. If Jesus Christ did not physically rise from the dead, we as Christians are the product of the greatest delusional lie ever. And we are the most foolish of all people. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we also will be raised from the dead spiritually. Amazing love. Our final study in the series will be about where Jesus is now, what he is doing, and what he plans on doing. Thank you.